Oh, hey. I didn't see you there. Because it's an audio podcast. Welcome to the Advent Calendar House. It's not Advent, but this is a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. And the 4th of July is fast approaching as we record this, so what better way to celebrate these United States than to follow the adventures of a rock band of rodents on their quest to save a nightclub owned by the world's tiniest panda? That's right, it's 1986's The Adventures of the American Rabbit. I'm your host and furry prototype of Jessica Rabbit, if she were an actual rabbit, Mike Westfall. And joining me is returning guest, noted bunny dad, and former rugby star who was cut because he wouldn't stop roller skating during the national anthem. It's Chad Young from the horror movie Barbecue. Welcome back, Chad. Hello, Mike. And I just want to point out that, yes, uh, I was banned, but you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. I, I did it my way. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> Chad, you were very enthusiastic in answering my call on Twitter about who knew what this was and wanted to talk about it. Why don't you tell me your history with this movie? I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Mike. I didn't. I don't have the nostalgia for this movie that um, you probably think I do. Um, I actually didn't discover this movie until maybe mm, 10, 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, my friend and I actually went to a, uh, library and we found this, it was like an encyclopedia for animation. And we hmm. were looking through it because, uh, we were talking off air about how much of a animation buff I am. Yes. And, you know, I'm always looking for something new, maybe something obscure, maybe something that I haven't seen in a while. And we're looking through and I see American rabbit and I'm like, American rabbit. I'm like, and I say to my friend Ryan, I'm like, have you ever heard of this? He's like, yeah, I, I kind of remember it. So, you know, that was kind of the basis of me discovering it. it. It's not exact. Like I said, it's not exactly a cartoon I grew up with, although I would have been the right age to see this movie when it came out. Um, but I didn't really get to see it until, you know, years, years later. Okay. I didn't see it in the theater. It was, came out in 1986, and I made like maybe one $200,000 to a limited release. Mm -hmm. But I remember it airing on the Disney Channel every year on Independence Day through maybe the latter half of the 80s. Mm -hmm. But my mom also taped it off the TV, so I would watch it every year well into the 90s as well. Oh. But then I moved on to DVDs and forgot about it. And Till the rise of YouTube, and there's a pretty darn good quality uh, upload there. So, yeah, it looks pretty, uh, it looks like it's uh, the DVD rip, actually. I imagine so. So we were both able to watch it again. How's it, how does it hold up for you? Well, <laughs> you know, Mike, I, I'm, I'm trying to be as positive as I can. Um, you know, you don't have to. You know, what's funny is... When you you just said that it aired on the Disney Channel, I'm I'm sure that there is maybe a time I caught it on the Disney Channel, but I can't really remember. Um, but honestly, I could totally see this being like a Disney Channel staple. I really can. It definitely has that sensibility that say a um, like a Rainbow Bright did because I yes. tend to remember Rainbow Bright being aired on there. Um, Possibly. Yeah. Um. You know, like uh, they also did like. Uh, uh, Unico in the Island of Magic. Was Unico on the Disney Channel? Is that where I saw that? Yes, Unico, Lord Karuku was on the Disney Channel. Think oh about my that. Goodness. 
I actually know people who saw it on the Disney Channel and they were scarred for life. Yep. <laughs> Present company included. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I still have night. Well, I for I had forgotten all about Unico until maybe one or two years ago, but I still had that image of like the big stone puppets. It's like, mm. what is this mm. from? I don't remember what this is from. And then someone's like, oh, that's from Unico. Yep. So it all came back to this horrifying memory. You can still hear uh, Karuka going, Toby! 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 Where are you? Toby! <laughs> oh, dude. I tell you, the same friend that I was just telling you about, Ryan, Uh he was so terrified about that. He gave me a tape that he had taped off, and it had scarred him as a child. And he said, get this out of my house. I never want to see this again. (laughs) So I actually have in my possession a uh, copy of Unico that I've been told – it's it's like the – if you want to make the wrestling correlation, it's like the – the rumored no-no section of the video uh, library. I want to kind of keep it appropriate and not get morbid. I understand. <laughs> we started off so well. Yeah, well, I mean, the wrestling connection it works fine for me because we're about to talk about a rabbit who turns into Kurt Angle. So, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this reminded me a lot of the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon that was on Saturday mornings where he lives in some forest with his girlfriend who's a squirrel princess with Siri on her iPhone. Did you watch this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I did. And I'll tell you why, because there were two different versions at the time. I remember watching both. And the ABC Saturday morning version actually had the cooler theme song. It had the cooler theme song and it was dark. It was like a serious cartoon. And then the one that was on weekdays was like wacky afternoon cartoon show. And then there's this. And it was like, I actually, I knew a dude who tried to pitch a movie to Sega, but with all of those forest characters from the Saturday morning cartoon and Sega essentially told him, now we're good. (laughs) We, we don't want to remember this and neither does anyone else. (laughs) We're good forever. Leave it alone. Yeah. (laughs) So I think the reason why this got such big play on the Disney Channel was that it was directed by Fred Wolf, and he was all over the Disney Channel. Yes. I remember him as being the longtime director of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Correct, yes. And that's probably his big claim to fame, but around that same time, he had his hand in the Wuzzles and DuckTales and Alvin and the Chipmunks. And then his career goes back to the 60s and 70s. Uh, have you watched any of the Puff the Magic Dragon cartoons? Um, uh, n- the Puff the Magic Dragon, I don't believe so, but I'll tell you what I do know him from. Uh-oh. You know where I'm going with this, right? It, it could, uh, well, it could be two things. Because one, he directed a special based on Harry Nilsson's The Point, which mm-hmm. I love. But you're probably talking about... Dirty Duck. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. <laughs> Did you ever see this movie? No. Wait, was that him? Wait, Fred Fred Wolf. Yeah, no, that he he did that movie Dirty Duck. That sounds about right. The Down and Dirty Duck. It was this knockoff of Fritz the Cat. Right. And it was so crude. I actually had the DVD of it, and I kind of wish I had it now so I could sell it. But um, I believe he was one of the animators. Okay. That explains a lot about this movie. Yeah, yeah. And that, that movie, I'm looking at it now. 
According to Swenson, he created almost all of the animation himself, although publicly attributed the animation work to Mirakami Wolf Production Company with Academy Award-winning animator Fred Wolf. Credited as his son's name, Bill Wolf, helped animate parts of the film personally. So that's about Down and Dirty Duck. And honestly, I don't have anything good to say about that movie. (laughs) It's just disgusting, and the animation is atrocious. (laughs) <laughs> but that's kind of the, yeah i mean ninja turtles is obviously where most people are going to you know remember fred wolf from i mean well remember he's not dead i apologize but i mean i that's he's definitely his yeah well fair. I, I think he's in his 80s now but no where i was gonna go is fred wolf was behind the tootsie pops commercial that's right the uh the owl mr owl how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three, three. Yeah, Mr. Owl and that whole that style of animation you can see in, in Puff the Magic Dragon. A lot of his set, uh, 70s stuff in the point. And then the 80s, it's more like Ninja Turtles and Wuzzles and mm-hmm. DuckTales. So. He did Owl? Yeah, he did... Doug Alf, he did Alf Tales. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, if if anybody's listening, just go to his uh, his his Wikipedia, IMDb, and look at everything that he's done. I mean, he has literally done oh, yeah. a you know who's who of animation, right? So this movie was a co-production between Fred Wolf's company with that resume and Japan's mm-hmm. Toei Animation. The makers of Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, One Piece, and basically every anime you've ever loved that's not (laughs) Studio Ghibli. Well, now you're also leaving some stuff out. Okay. You're also leaving out Pride of the X-Men. You're leaving out Transformers, G.I. Joe, and just so many more. Yes. (laughs) So those two studios came together and made this. Yes. uh, Based on... A poster character by pop artist Stuart Moskowitz. I had no idea about this. Did you at all? No. 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 In fact, when you when you sent me, because uh, earlier you, you, you were telling me how, uh, you know, some of the characters were, you know, pre-existing characters. I was like, really? No, I, I, I didn't know that. No, neither did I. But it's starting to make so much more sense now that I pieced those yeah. together. So Stuart Moskowitz was a pop artist in the early 80s and... That explains the roller skates. Very. <laughs> and the American Rabbit was by far his most popular character. But a lot of other well-known characters kind of show up in this movie, including Toulouse the Chocolate Moose. <laughs> and there's a group of penguins that are from a piece he did called The Corporation, where he, they're all kind of making a, a pyramid. a penguin. I almost said human pyramid, mm-hmm. but they're penguins. <laughs> so they show up as a corporation in this movie. So we'll get into more. We'll get more into those guys when we meet them in the movie. But I wonder if there are a few people who knew these characters when they saw this and got excited when they showed up, like I did when I watched Captain America: Civil War, and then the big mm-hmm. caption comes up: Queens, and I immediately let, oh, here comes Spider Man. <laughs> you think that happened here for at least oh. one person who saw this? You know, I've got to imagine someone saw it, and I, I, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna say yeah. It's the chocolate mousse. <laughs> He's making the chocolate bonbons. <laughs> what? 
So it's like they wanted to set up a whole universe of these characters, but they didn't do it right, so nothing ever happened. But Right. Well, let's get started. We open with the Hoover Dam about to burst and the American oh. rabbit plugging the leak with his giant boulder and... We see the transformation of this, like, bespectacled gray bunny into basically Kurt Angle on roller skates. Pretty much. And besides coming star-spangled, his glasses disappear into hammer space. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. No, and neither do the roller skates that just kind of appear on his feet. Yeah. They remind me of, do you remember the, the Healy shoes with the wheel hidden in the back? Yes. Yeah, because I was working with kids... When those came out, and I cannot tell you the headache they gave me. <laughs> I saw a kid wearing them recently, so they... Oh, wow, really? They're either still around, or someone has an old pair. But it was a young kid. Like, early teens, I'd say. I, we're getting to the point where, they, you know, you can consider those nostalgic, because it's been 15 years oh, since they've been popular. Yeah. Wow, I was in college, and I was like, man, I want one of those, because my campus was on a big hill. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I said the same thing. It, when uh, I saw a kid uh, roll into uh, the cl- uh, the uh, the classroom that I was in, the first time I was like, "Oh, you had someone who had them on yours." We well, yeah, no, I well, I had a lot of kids ride in. Oh, and oh we for, had a okay. lot of parents that we had to tell, "Yeah, you maybe want to leave those at home." <laughs> <laughs> it was a big headache. Oh dear. So that's the opening credit scene, and then we uh, go into the birth of Rob, our hero here. He's a baby, and his parents and friends are kind of gathering to welcome him into the world, and then this mysterious old rabbit who walks with a cane Mm. comes in and says something mysterious like, oh, he's got quite a future ahead of himself. You know, I have a sneaking suspicion that there may be a thing or two more about this little rascal than just good looks. Well, we certainly hope so. I mean, who knows? (laughs) He could have quite a future ahead of himself, this little guy. And now let's start to get into some of the the voice talent here. So... Oh, please do. Yes, yes. This this mentor is how he's credited. He's never named. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call him Bunny Dumbledore. (gasps) I actually named him... (laughs) I actually named him Obi-Wan Kabunny. Oh, okay. Just because I... <laughs> but I like yours. All right, so we'll go back and forth, I guess. I don't know, but the, his voice was Hal Smith. Mm. He's probably most famous as Otis on the Andy Griffith Show, but I know him as the voice of Flint Harp, Glomgold, and Gyro on Ducktales. Yes, and he yes. was also the original voice of Owl from Winnie the Pooh. That's right, he was. Yes. yes. So you can kind of see, and this is where oh, there are a lot of familiar voices on here, but his is one of the most. One of the most familiar. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that other guy way later. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another one is Rob's mom, who's Russie Taylor, who I didn't recognize originally. But you know who that is, right? Oh, it's awfully sweet of you, Tua. Tua. <laughs> who in the world was that? Oh, gosh. Oh, I know who she was. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm having a brain fart. Say it, say it. It's Minnie Mouse. There we go. It's Minnie Mouse, and then she's Huey and Dewey and Louie and Webby, or at least she was in the old DuckTales. That's right. Uh, And in the Once Upon a Christmas and Twice Upon a Christmas. Uh, She's on The Simpsons as various kids. She's Martin, she's Sherry and Terry, she's Uter. Yep. She was Strawberry Shortcake. She was Widget the World Watcher. Uh, But in here... 
and then she's got another she does another voice of some other minor character talking and you hear more of that Minnie Mouse voice that you recognize in everything she's in. But then her voice for the mom might be something a lot closer to, to her natural voice, I think. Yeah, it sounds a little bit more momish, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I think when people think of what she imagine your mom and then that's exactly what Russie Taylor looks like. Well, my- <laughs> she's just kind of a somewhat younger <laughs> yeah. um, June Foray. Let's be there. Fair. You go. Very. That's <laughs> man. You're on the money, dude. I told you. You know, I let me let me just say this. As much as I love talking horror movies, wrestling, and all that, dude. I, I my my love of animation is right up there. Oh, like yeah. you and I. Yep. Trust me. When we get to one of the other voices, then I'm going to start geeking out. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, Dad is uncredited for some reason. It's familiar, but I couldn't place it. You couldn't, could you? I have no idea. I thought it was someone you knew. No. It sounded familiar, but I couldn't tell you who it was. I really couldn't. The problem is, like, I looked in the end credits, and they named the voice talent, but they don't have who was whose voice. I had to go by Wikipedia and IMDb (laughs) as best as I could. But The, The other problem is sometimes with... Uh, certain animation if they weren't done union like uh, they would kind of take a non-union name so like we were just talking about Unico the voice of Lord Karuku his name is Rob Roy but I think he has like a like three other different names so when he did um Unico, he, he I, I think Rob Roy, and then he, he did like some other stuff hmm. under different names so okay you know well after this brief scene this this old rabbit makes that he's got quite a future ahead of himself and then pieces out Yep. until maybe 16 years later. We don't get a caption or anything. We just flash forward to Teenage Rob, and that's a familiar voice, too. Thanks, Dad. I'll do my best. Oh, yeah, it is. Now, how quickly did you recognize it? It's Barry Gordon. How quickly did you recognize his voice? Oh, that's not even a question. <laughs> that's not even a question. Okay. Barry Gordon only has one voice. Let's be fair. He cannot. He will not be doing in any impersonations anytime soon and fooling anybody. He, he, I mean, he's no rich little. Okay, but here's my question. When you hear that voice, yes. who do you think of? What character do you think of? Because it could be one of two for me. Donatello. Donatello. He's right. Drug dealers are dorks. Don't even talk to him. For me, he's Donatello, and he's also the Nestle Quick Bunny. Oh, that's right. He was. Oh, oh. Yeah. and you know what else I just thought of? He was, um, he was Brainy. Wasn't he Brainy Smurf? And he was the rich kid on Snorks. I think he was the rich kid. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Little bit of trivia. He was also Bebop on Ninja Turtles. He was Bebop. He was Bebop. Wait a minute. It, true story. All right, we're gonna look this up, kid. I'm telling you. Oh, get out of here. Here's my favorite piece of trivia on Barry Gordon. When he was about six years old, he recorded the original version of I'm Getting Nothing for Christmas. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Same guy. That's really? Yes. I, that I did not know. I didn't know that until recently. Someone posted I'm like, wait, really? That's, that's Barry Gordon. I know that face, but he did that? Because, like, one of my friend's mothers posted that on Facebook and was just like, well, I'm about to blow your mind as much as you blew mine because he's Donatello. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. No. So, fun fact, kids. Wow. Okay. All right. I like it. 
Here he's our hero, known right now as just Rob. He's getting re- ready for his first big rugby game, America's pastime, rugby. Oh, boy. That's just an odd choice for a, the sport to include in this movie. It really is. I, I, I But isn't rug? No, it's it's soccer is football over in the U- but, but he wouldn't be yeah. in the UK. He's he's the American rabbit. Right. He, yeah, rabbit. I don't know. I mean, I would have. I thought it was soccer at first. I'm just like, wait a minute. They're dribbling the ball. Oh, this is rugby. What is it? What? What? <laughs> I don't know. But dad, dad's giving him the old pa Kent old fashioned pep talk so we can set up the Ugh. origin. It's just like, well, he learned how to be a good sport and a fair player from his father. And then you see like our Obi-Wan Kabunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, character come in and just kind of quiz. He's just like, hey, who's that kid wearing number four? And But then he kind of tricks Dad. He's like, oh, you ought to be proud. He looks like he has the drive to win at any cost. And Dad's like, oh, no, no, he plays fair. That's like when someone tries to trick you into lying about something to see if you'll tell the truth. Yup. I went on a date where a girl tried to do that to me and it didn't work. Yep. And I'm just like, gotcha. Nice try. <laughs> yeah, that, that, no second date. Uh, no. <laughs> So we cut back home and it's piano lessons time and mom's correcting him like, no, it goes like this. And she explains that Rob has to put more heart in what he does. No, 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 that's not quite it, dear. Now, Rob, listen very closely to me. I, uh, I guess I thought that was what I was playing, Mom. But to me, it reminds me of Lucy going to Schroeder and a Charlie Brown Christmas. Like, no, I mean Jingle Bells, but the <laughs> other way around. <laughs> yes. So those two pieces together kind of set up Rob's upbringing as, as a good boy. And then finally, we're only about eight minutes into this thing, and we get the big reveal. Family's out on a picnic in a field next to a large cliff of some sort when a huge falling boulder comes loose. And mm-hmm. it's about to crush Rob's parents, and that's when he kind of runs toward them, and we see this transformation again in, into this star-spangled superhero on golden roller skates, and he flies through the air and tosses the boulder aside. Well, to be fair, this is technically the first time we actually saw him transform uh, in the continuity of the movie, yes, because you know we're 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 already going through. Here's the thing: Did he know that he was the you know American Rabbit before he did this? Because he kind of just uh, he kind of just went right for it. I don't think so. I think this was as much of a shock to him as it was his parents, who didn't even recognize him at first. Yeah, that was kind of weird. But because then he, kept, he said, "Dad." Yeah. And Dad's like, whoever you are, thank you. And she's like, what? And then out comes around the corner Bunny Dumbledore in his wizard's robe. And he just congratulates Rob, and then he starts eating their lunch. Yeah, like, come on, dude. You're going to take my son, and but <laughs> you're you're also not even going to ask to have anything? Like, hey, I, I, you know what? A picnic is all about inviting people and... I guess you're right. You know, making connections, but, like, at least ask. Yeah, they're all staring at... He really is Bunny Dumbledore stealing their food. But yeah, then he explains what just happened. And he explains, right. for as long as time itself, our quiet little village has carried the heavy responsibility of providing a special hero. And Dad immediately understands this as what he calls the legacy of their village. 
Uh, and then the old rabbit tells Rob that he will be the American rabbit, and his job is going to be to run faster, fly higher, and work harder to make the outside world a better place. That's that's just ridiculous because uh, rabbits by nature are just selfish, selfish little SOBs. Really? There's no way. Oh, pfft, dude. I mean, you know. It's, come by my house when it's dinner time and see these little a-holes just start <laughs> bickering with each other over. They will steal food out of each other's mouths. The photos I post online are like cutesy little photos of them like sleeping or, you know, doing something adorable. You you guys don't see it. If they're not sleeping and they're not fighting over food, they don't want you anywhere near them. Maybe Rob's <laughs> the exception. Maybe he's the one from the village who That's has, these, has these Clark Kent uh, qualities about him. And you know what? What's that? You know what you just got me thinking about is if he didn't know that he was American Rabbit, right? Right. And he selfishly was willing to put himself in the line of danger, <laughs> even though he didn't know he was a superhero. Yeah. Then it totally makes sense as he as as to why he would be the uh, chosen one, sort of. There you go. Well, I have two other questions. One. Yes. Is this old guy a former retiring American Rabbit, or is he just a mentor of American Rabbit's past and present? I I I. You know what? I'm going to take a little guess if he you know if he can do that weird you know undertaker thing where you know you turn your head and all of a sudden he's gone then i'm assuming he has some superpowers still left in the tank okay and i'm gonna say that yeah he was you know he, he's been holding on to it until he found the right person he's an outgoing american rabbit okay number two did he push that boulder i think so to do a test he pushed that boulder and tried to murder rob's parents in order to test him Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Again, Bunny Dumbledore. Yep. <laughs> so what an eight what 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 just what an inconvenience. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't explain it very well, but the way Rob's powers work is that he gets a running start to activate his powers and then to become himself again, he says his own name. He says Rob. <sighs> That's weird. It's very weird because, and I don't know. I, 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 hmm. <laughs> I got nothing. I, I'm really, I'm not going to try and be like, what, what is it? The, 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 the nostalgia critic where I'm doing all this, um, you know, this hindsight. Yeah. Uh, we're not critiquing. doing that. No, I, I'm really trying to be positive here and look at the go. positives of this thing. Exactly. And honestly, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm going to just take a stab at the dark that whoever was, you know, Fred Wolf, mm -hmm. he's the one that wrote it and directed, right? Yes. I'm going to assume he did like a lot of like watching uh, old episodes of like Wonder Woman or Batman 66. Because every time he runs off, it's like he's uh, when Diana would run off to the same patch of woods in an episode of Wonder Woman to change into <laughs> Wonder Woman. I, I mean, oh my gosh. And then he just, he just has to say his name. And well, I mean, Wonder Woman didn't do that, but... Yeah, it, it's just a lot of weird, you know, homages to other things. Yes. Yeah. It just <laughs> the transformation uh, before uh, I kind of forget about that, because that is one thing I wanted to touch on out of everything in this movie. I thought that the transformation sequence was one of the coolest. Oh, absolutely. The coolest and the yeah. thing people remember the most, probably. 
Oh yeah, I w- I would definitely agree with that because it is a really cool sequence. That's probably the best animated thing in this whole thing uh, to the point where uh, it's it's yeah. a, its own little cutaway sequence. Uh, Absolutely, and and in they you know it's even. I mean, obviously, it's you know it's stocked a few times. Is that the right term? Stock probably because it's like stock animation where they have okay. to use the, the same. It is now. It is now. Yeah. Deal with it, people. <laughs> uh, but another weird thing is, as Rob leaves his town, as soon as he steps out of the city limits, the place disappears. Yeah, I forgot that happened, and then I'm watching it again. I'm just like, well, what just happened? You can never come back. Which, if his parents love him so much, and, you know, obviously they do, they would be pretty understanding that, hey, you know, he's not ours anymore. He belongs to the world, and now he's going to be this big superhero, and he's going to be helping people and using, you know, his powers for good. So he's not just good. It was a metaphor. Yeah, and I think they... No longer are. Yeah, I think his parents came off as understanding. I just was not expecting, like, you can never come back. And no, seriously, the, the whole village is disappearing. Yeah, that was a little, that, that was a little bizarre, you yeah. know. It really was. But, uh, but, but so Rob uh, starts his superhero life and he moves to nearby San Francisco. And oh. uh, finds a job as a piano player at a club called the Pandemonium, which is owned oh. by a panda. Oh, I like this. I like where this is going. Named Teddy, and the voice of Teddy is uh, is a familiar one, but not not entirely not recognizable. His name is Bob Arbogast. Hi, I'm Theodore Panda. Everyone calls me Teddy. Mm-hmm. And his career was mostly in radio, dating back to the 1950s. But to, uh, he was the voiceover guy in the original "What Would You Do for a Klondike Bar" commercial. Oh, was he? Yes. And he's apparently heard in some old Sesame Street bits. I couldn't, like, pick out the one, but... Uh, calling uh, Carlin Trammell. We could use your help on Ooh, this. Ooh, maybe. He might know. All right. Help us out, CT. Uh, but also, uh, the club's booker, a young female rabbit named Bunny O'Hare. Uh, we couldn't have gotten a better name? <laughs> we couldn't have gotten a better name for that? Okay, that's one of the issues I have. Okay, and again, I'm really trying not to do the, you know, uh, the the hindsight critiquing. But even as if I had seen that as a kid, I would have been like, "Golly, that's 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 a stupid name." (laughs) Well, everybody's last name in this is just like species of animal. I am. (sighs) Yeah, pretty much. I get that. Like it's Teddy Panda, Robert Rabbit, Bunny O'Hare. They're they're either really into puns or they're really into alliteration there you go i'm forgiving of that part i I do love alliteration i can't hate alliteration whatsoever but she comes out like she's this tall buxom bunny in a pink dress and she like instantly like puts on her sexy voice hi hi i'm bunny Uh, hi uh how do you do very very well. This is a children's cartoon. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. So Bunny's voice is Lori O'Brien. Do you know who that is? Could it be Miss Piggy or Baby Piggy? Baby Piggy from the original Muppet Babies. Yes. I never would have connected those dots. but uh, And she doesn't have a big resume, but that's the big one. Mm-hmm. Another big 
one-off since she was Baby Piggy. She also decided to be the mom in Cartoon All-Stars to the rescue. Oh. <laughs> okay. I cannot wait uh, when... You know what? You have to find a way to fit that in because oh, that is man. one of my favorite things ever. I'll, I'll find an excuse. Arbor Day. <laughs> Arbor Day. Because, oh my gosh, because trees are technically made from... <laughs> plants. Have <It's> leaves. <laughs> and... Oh, plants. all right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the award-winning advent calendar. I mean, yours, I, yours is a better idea than putting it out on April 20th. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my God. No, no. Nope. That's too All easy. Right. That's too easy. Look. Back to the special. The club is harassed by a gang of jackals who are going to run this mafia style racket where it's just like 500 bucks keeps the joint from getting trashed. Yeah. Busted wide open. I think you gentlemen better go. But you ain't even bought your insurance policy yet. Now, 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 boys, if Wims here wants us to go, then we just gotta go. Besides, I think it's dangerous hanging around a place like this. You never know when something awful's gonna happen. So we have a gang of about five or six, but we have... Uh, only five were actually credited with voices. We have the leader, Rotten Rodney. Oh, he's me. Voiced by Bob Holt, uh, the voice of the Lorax. Oh, yes, that's right. Correct. The Lorax, and he was the guy from Hoover Bloop Highway and a few other Dr. Seuss cartoons. He had voices on, like, all of the Hanna-Barbera, like Smurfs, Snorks, Biscuits. Uh, he was a few gremlins, apparently. Oh, he was on Spider-Man and yes. Spider-Woman as well. Yeah. So we have Rotten Rodney, the leader. We have uh, Mad Marvin, who's Hal Smith again in a gruffier voice. Uh, there's another one who's not named, who's Barry Gordon again. Uh, we have Brutal Bruno, oh gosh. whose voice is Norm Lenzer, who's not a voice actor, but he was the screenwriter of this movie. So he got a voice in. Yeah. And also uh, wrote the screenplay for The Point, which he did with Fred Wolf. Mm-hmm. And finally, we have Horrible Hugo, played by a guy named John Mayer, but Uh-oh. probably not that John Mayer. Yeah, I, I, I prefer this John Mayer. I gotta be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so Teddy, of course, refuses to buy insurance from these jackals. And a few nights later, Rob's the house musician. He gets the job. He's a accompanying a band of rabbits called the White Brothers. And the place is hopping, and the jackals return on their bikes and, like, uh-huh. trash the place. Can we just discuss uh, Rob's audition, so to speak, for a moment? Yeah, do it. He's, he's not that good. Like, he's very amateurish when he's auditioning, and they're acting like, oh my gosh, we just discovered the next Elton John. <laughs> What are you doing? Well, first he starts off by playing the classical Mendelssohn song that he learns from Mm -hmm. his mother and learns how to put his heart into it and things. Not very well, either. Why, yes, indeed. Rob, you play very nicely. Uh, thank you. Yes. Well, well. please try to understand what I mean when I say that I... Yes? Think that this is pandemonium, not Carnegie Hall. No, it's just like, this is a rock joint, kid. Uh, and, and Teddy kind of coached him. was like, it's got to sound like this. Duh, duh, duh. But to Rob's credit, he picks that up instantly. 
Uh huh. Maybe he's that's got, why they they liked it. Mm, rabbits okay. have long ears, so they probably have perfect pitch too. They do. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Teddy and Buddy decide they're gonna they're gonna organize a rally the next day at the Golden Gate Bridge. Sure. Uh, and word comes back to the Jackals gang, headed by this big black striped suit mob boss looking guy that you don't see his face named Walt. <sighs> First off, do you think that name was a t- intentional? Walt? Yeah. You know, I didn't really think about that till you just mentioned it, but perhaps. I maybe. feel like around that time, there was like every animator who wasn't working for Disney might have just like, well, the bad guy's Walt. Yeah. It, it's 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 like, hey, we're going to take it out on Vince McMahon because we can't work there. Yeah. It's not <laughs> yes. good enough. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Pretty um, I I will say this. He... he the, the Walt, the villain, had mm-hmm. um, he had kind of a, a, a I'm, I'm going back to what I said earlier, kind of had this Batman '66 villain sense. He about did. Him. He was very. Oh yeah, the way he talked was just like, oh, you're an idiot. Num num. We're bad guys. Num <laughs> num. You you num num. Yeah. Well, the voice behind Walt is Kenneth Mars. Do you know his big claim to fame? Uh, off the top of my head, the name is not ringing a bell. Kenneth Mars is the voice of King Triton from The Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. No, oh, okay. Yeah, that does make sense, actually. Yeah, and if you go back and watch this with that knowledge, you can kind of start to hear it. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's King Triton's angry voice, but all the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can hear that. Yeah. So Walt instructs the Jackals to ride in the back of the rally and kind of cause a distraction and his pet buzzard Voltor 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 will uh do something to the bridge. So we we get to the march and here is where we meet the real star of this movie. Another bunny? Uh, no, it's a big old gorilla named Ping Pong. It's the gorilla who ate Garfield, Chad. Oh no. Take a look back there at the end of the parade, Robert. Does it look to you as though those jackals are being mean to any of our marchers? Could it be <laughs> Dave Coulier? <laughs> no, it's Lorenzo Music. Of course it's Lorenzo Music. Which It is one voice. He, yes, with his one voice. Thank you. for <laughs> Guys, honestly, if you've ever seen Garfield, then you, you know that, God rest his soul, very talented, charismatic man. Yes. Didn't really have another voice in him. No, I mean he was that same that same exact voice when he was Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters. Uh, I've heard him in a couple of commercials, thinking, "Oh, that's Garfield." I watched this as a kid. I'm like, "Oh, oh no, that gorilla <laughs> ate Garfield." <laughs> well, you know what? It, when you're lazy and mean to Odie, it's going to come back to you, man. I guess, but Ping here is the sweetest character in this whole thing. He is. He notices what at first he believes to be some reformed jackals joining the march, and yep. he's like, oh. He's, he's optimistic. Yeah. But no, they're causing that distraction, and so Voltor destroys the cables that support the Golden Gate Bridge. It starts wobbling. Rob, meanwhile, has told Ping, I'll go back and see what's going on. Yep. So he kind of steps off the side of the bridge to give him enough runway and no eyes watching him to become the American Rabbit mm-hmm. for his first big save. And he, like, ties the cables of the bridge back together and saves everyone. Which, 
to his credit, let's let's just play devil's advocate here for a moment. Mm-hmm. For Voltor, why wouldn't you just go chew the other sides of the rope <laughs> and just start chewing while American Rabbit is trying to fix that one? Just chew like three other sides of that rope. It could be. It looked like the American Rabbit kind of swatted him away. Uh, yeah. I mean, but again, you know, give the devil his due, you know. Sure, absolutely. I, I, I got to be fair here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but we'll we'll see as this goes along that Voltor, uh, in the heat of the moment, does not use his head very much. He really doesn't. He's got these big elaborate plans, and then, I don't know, he becomes a crank face when things don't go his way. Yeah, pretty much. He's kind of the, um, he didn't really do a lot of talking, but he kind of just does that generic, like, and then he just kind of yeah. does an evil laugh. Gets kind of irritating. <laughs> it does. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the point. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but but Teddy and the gang will not stand for this, so he decides, you know, we're not going to be bullied around. They try to kind of gather the community, but they don't want anything to do with it because it's all, you know, these these small animals, and it's kind of got, looking back, a Zootopia vibe where, where the smaller animals... Don't want to cause any trouble. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. But after they rally everyone together, it's like, all right, we, we can't let them just bully us like this. So we're going to do this cross-country tour to try and raise money to rebuild the pandemonium. Oh, that 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 name is just so ridiculous. <laughs> I, well, you know, everybody else's name is ridiculous in this, so. Yeah, this whole movie's ridiculous, yeah. to be fair. It, it, yep. <laughs> But th- there's a certain point later on that I realize everyone in this is stupid, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> right now, let's go back to Walt, who's super annoyed at the American Rabbit. So for his new plan, he has decided, well, if we want to stop a guy who can hold up a bridge, we're going to need the biggest, strongest dude we could find. So he orders the jackals to kidnap big Garfield-eating gorilla ping and turn him against the American Rabbit. So one jackal, disguised as a telegram messenger, tells Ping that, oh, hey, the band moved their sending off party to some train yard. And Ping's not the brightest piece of lasagna in the pan. So so they get him there and they tell him to sign this paper that he's there. And then they stick him with a hypodermic needle. A needle in a kid's cartoon. Things are getting dark real fast in cute furry animal San Francisco. Oh my gosh. That was one of the things where I was just like, holy cow. They really just did that, didn't they? They, oh yeah. They went there. It, like, and they identify it as a hypodermic needle, because Rob finds it later, mm-hmm. and Teddy says, yeah, that's a hypodermic needle, and that's Ping's comb, but he's fine. Right. Let's just leave for our big gig at the Grand Canyon. Sure. Why not? At this hot new club called the Trap Door, and, okay, I understand, there has to be places, I've never been out that way, but there has to be places around the Grand Canyon for people to stay. And mm-hmm. they got to have clubs around there. But this crew goes looking for a club in the middle of the Grand Canyon. Why not? And Why not? I don't know. Is Bunny just the worst booker? Or do you think the Jackal Gang kind of set this all up from the start? A little column A, little column B. All right. <laughs> yeah. Could, well, they're not bright. but They're really not. Yeah. They're really not. Well, but they're trying. Rob is, at least, he seems to realize something's up, so he sends the rest of them rafting down the river. 
And then meanwhile, a jackal appears and welcomes him to the trap door, which is a literal trap door. That's right. Again, in the middle of the Grand Dang Canyon, because that's where trap doors live. <sighs> yup. <laughs> well, it turns out Ping is down there in a tank and the gang's threatening to drown him unless he fights the American rabbit for him. And I love Ping, man, because he's like, I-, I want you to know I can't swim and I don't like it in here. Hey, folks, I just don't know why you're doing this. I don't know what you want from me, but I want you to know that I can't swim, and I really don't like it in here. He's so positive. He's just so happy and positive. He even thanks Walt for, you know, asking him to join his crew. <laughs> he, he thanks, thanks him. Thanks, but hard pass. By the way, I just want to kind of pull back the curtain here. Do it. Your uh, icon on your Skype is, is Ping. I change it every time. I, that's a Paxton Holly move. I love it. That I stole. It's also a Sean Robert move. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which well, I love. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but Rob tells the Jackals he's the band's tap dancer, and they want him to prove it. So he tap dances around the corner out of sight enough to turn into the American rabbit and jump them. Sure. And he kicks a he kicks a big hole in the tank and he saves Ping and then he saves Teddy and Bunny from rafting off a waterfall, you know, in the raft Rob sent them down the river on in the first place. His fault. Yep. Uh, and he realizes it, so he saves Teddy and Bunny, uh, and Bunny immediately goes back into sexy mode and tells them You must be exhausted. Why don't you come over here by the fire and rest for a few moments and get warm? And Rob, this is one of my favorite parts in the thing. Rob, first of all, is like, well, I got to go save those other guys who are still going to fall down that waterfall. Also, there's no fire. Yeah, who are you trying to fool, S.A.? <laughs> warm, huh? Uh, no, no, I, I've got to save the White Brothers. They're one heck of a band. And uh, by the way, ma'am, uh, there is no fire. But maybe you could get one going. <laughs> Stupid, stupid, stupid. But he calls it like that. That is might be my favorite part. It's just like, and also there's no fire. Maybe you can get one going and dashes back off to save the rest of the crew. Excuse me, Miss Lane. Yeah. Well, then, essentially what he's doing. And then Rob comes back and plays dumb like, well, it's a good thing you made a fire. I've been looking for you guys for hours. <laughs> yes. And they don't think. It's like, man, you missed all the excitement. We were saved by the American rabbit. Yep, <laughs> I get to, the the absurd uh, and I the absurdity t- in this cartoon is just amazing. It really is, but it, I mean, it's it's wholesome at the same time. It, it is very wholesome. Yes, which is you know a welcome change at that time. There, was, yeah, you know there there wasn't like a lot of you know, they 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 managed to put a lot of dark stuff into kids movies. Like now, it's kind of like well, subdued, but. Back then, they were just more yeah. in your face. Uh, but Rob and his friends then travel to their next gig in New Orleans, where they plan to play at a couple of clubs. Uh, and I guess the Jackals got there first, and they burned down the place. Yeah. And then they uh, catch up with the owner, uh, who's a pig with a Cajun accent. We just closed the club after our last act. The kid who works for me was putting your name up on a marquee. I was going over some paperwork upstairs in the office when one of those midnight messengers pops in with this really weird message that I'm supposed to get across town really fast. Oh boy, you gotta watch out for messengers with weird messages. And I think this is the character Wikipedia credits as being voiced by Pat Fraley, 
the voice of Krang. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yes, I was oh, hoping yes. we would get the Pat Fraley, GI Joe, Ninja Turtles. Uh, off the top of my head, I believe he was Filmation, Ghostbuster, Jake. Yeah, Jake. Uh, see again, there goes my Filmation knowledge. There it is. <laughs> uh, Pat Fraley's a, vo- a voice acting legend. I think oh, yeah. he even does uh voice acting. Uh, classes. He probably does because I mean yeah. that's another guy with a range. He, he got from oh, Krang to Jake from Ghostbusters to Baby Pac-Man. Legend, absolutely incredible. Oh yeah. So Rob asks uh, this this pig nightclub owner if the guys who burned down the place were the jackals, and this pig is not having it. He is immediately dismissive of this speciesism. Sir, was the uh, uh, the messenger uh, by any chance was he a jackal? Hey, hey, I'll tell you something, kid. That stuff don't mean a thing to me. I mean, what the heck? You may not realize it, but look at me. I'm a pig. Shucks, Bucks, that's what I am. No, 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 no. See, I, I didn't mean to suggest anything at all about the messenger. Or... Since you mentioned it, yeah, the messenger was a jackal. But then they immediately answer a help wanted sign posted by a jackal in disguise as a club owner who tries to hire them right on the spot without an audition. It's just like, oh, great, you're in. Like, I had some other band voice, but you guys got the job. They didn't even play yet. And no one seems to have a problem with this. Ugh. Uh, (laughs) I really got nothing so they get booked on a show on a paddle boat uh, which Walt and the Jackals are on surprise Mm -hmm. big shock before they set it on fire while the band's getting ready what like what I mean that part didn't surprise me but I mean considering we saw you know uh, the jackals try to stick. Uh, they stuck uh, ping pong with a needle. They stuck ping. Yeah, yeah. It, it shouldn't surprise me either, but it, it sure as heck did. All right. Well, uh, it surprised those guys too. But Rob manages to uh, get to a side room and become the American Rabbit without anybody seeing him and get everybody off the boat before it explodes. But then when they get back to the dock once again, Bunny realizes, "Hey, where's Rob?" Uh, and this one, this is the part where I realize everyone in this special is stupid. <laughs> Pretty much. Because the American Rabbit kind of fumbles on his words. He's like, oh, don't worry about old Rob. Uh, he's a swimmer, that one. I can tell. Okay. He might as well have said, Rob is fine and also definitely not me. Wink. Yeah. Okay. Can I just, can I, Absolutely. Can I just kind of poke holes in this? Do it. Rabbits don't swim. They cannot swim. They will drown. Really? Rob Shore swims. You can't even put them in a bathtub or they'll they'll start uh, oh, no. they'll get nervous and they will go into full panic mode and they oh, could gee. die. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Oh, no. You know what? Point I, I I I applaud them for the creativity. I applaud them for you know, coming up with a little device there, but I'm sorry. It's just not happening. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't give you a full A on this. I could give you maybe a C. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Okay, oh, just on this scene. Just on this scene. Okay, <laughs> understandable. Well, the American Rabbit flies back to follow Walt and the Jackals and overhears them talking about going to New York oh. to enact their master plan to terrorize the whole city. Uh, and even Rodney, the head Jackal, is like. Why are we doing this again? And Walt's just like, because we're evil. It's oh. our job. 
Oh my gosh, this is where it's. I mean, if you guys thought that this movie was uh, really insane before, this is where it really, really just goes off the deep end. Like, and I know that that's hard to believe. Like, I could follow the whole racket of making people pay insurance so they don't wreck the place. That's a thing that happens in real life. Yeah, sure. Smart. Uh, I, I mean, not that I would ever. And now they're trying to just, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it to the in the entire city of New York. Pretty much. At least I think it's a city. It might be the state, and we'll get to that later. But yeah, um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Oh, but uh, uh, the American Rabbit transforms back to Rob, swims to shore, because he's the exception to the rule, and suggests, well, we need to hide from the jackals. Let's uh, lay low in New York. Sure. And Teddy's like, oh, I have connections there. Well, they can get us new instruments because ours burned in the fire. Yeah. So they hitch a ride to New Orleans from Bunny Dumbledore, who drops them off 50 miles from the city limits for no reason. Well, I think, again, he's only coming in to kind of help Rob kind of build character. And he's kind of having so. him go through these struggles. So he can kind of better himself. That that that's just what I've kind of taken it as. All right, that's a better explanation than I could think what, what, of. So well oh, done. I was going to say, what was yours going to be? <laughs> I don't have one. Oh, okay, fair enough. A bad yeah. a bad explanation is it's just like why are you dropping them off fifty miles from the city? Because now they have to hitch the rest of the way, they and do. like there's it shows that time passes, and finally. A tr- they hitch a ride in the back of a chocolate truck driven by Too Loose the Chocolate Moose. There he is. Well, if you fellers don't mind riding along with a load of chocolate, then <laughs> pile in. And the expanded universe has started to kind of come together because Teddy meets up with his connections who are the penguins from that corporation poster. Interesting. And they all talk like big city corporate big shots. Yep. And I think the lead penguin is voiced by Fred Wolf himself. Yes, I think that's what I read. Because, like, the lead penguin in one of uh, Stuart Moskowitz's book is also named Fred, so I guess it's that, uh, let's make a joke. Makes sense. Theo. Theo, baby, so how's my guy? Ah, uh, fine, Ed. Fine as wine. How are you guys doing? Well, you know, lose a quarter, make three nickels and a dime. So what in the world can we do for you? Uh, meanwhile, Walt and the Jackals capture the chocolate moose and his son, and they, uh talk the penguins into renting the Statue of Liberty for a day. Okay. Which is a thing you can't do. And even the penguins tell them that. But that's not my big problem with this. The Statue of Liberty is human in a universe full of animals. Well, okay. Let's just put it out uh, for a second, right? All right. Technically, it should have been like an animal, like a dog or something. Perhaps. Yep. Or, oh, wait know, a minute, you just said perhaps, so maybe it should have been a cat. <laughs> should have been a cat. <laughs> maybe it was a human. Maybe we're living in a post-apocalyptic future. Maybe it's maybe it's like cars. Oh, I like it. Why Like, why does Cars 2 have a Pope car? I don't know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did you say it has a Pope car? The, in Cars 2, there is a Pope-mobile car because they race in Italy. Well, that makes sense because they have the Pope Mobile. You know, they've had the Pope Mobile since you know the the one Pope was the or he was shot at in eighty two or eighty three. I get that, right? Okay, I get but that. But is there a car Jesus? You know, Mike. 
I, I, I love a, I love a nice blue humor joke. I'm not down with blasphemy, so I'm just going to ignore them. <laughs> Keep going, buddy. <laughs> hey, this is, this well, is still a holiday podcast. This has just gotten worse and worse. <laughs> no. All right. Well, Walt and the Jackals, who are much worse than we are, rigged the Statue <laughs> of Liberty with dynamite and threatened to blow up the visiting public who they kind of go to there as a thing. Like, we want to invite all the orphans on the day of the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, they they threatened to blow it all up if they refuse to do their will. Well, the American rabbit discovers the dynamite. He kind of follows Walt's voice because he's uh, on the, the PA announce system. Uh, and he, like, dives at him. And here is where we discover that this Walt suit thing with the glowing glasses was a bit... It was a red herring because it, like, deflates like a balloon. And Walt, quote-unquote, is actually Voltor the Buzzard. Ah, ah, get it? Get it? He's still a buzzard, but his name is Voltor, mm-hmm. which I kind of liked. But still, ha- he has, like, the same angry King Triton voice, which I like. Yep. Well, well, well. If it isn't the heroic hair of San Francisco Bay. So now Voltor's perched on the dynamite detonator and he forces the American rabbit to fly around the Statue of Liberty and deliver his announcement himself Yep, that that Voltor and the Jackals are in total control. The spirit of Voltor lives. The Jackals, under the loving guidance of their respected leader, are now in total charge. Their orders are by law. The law of the Doomsday Switch. Gosh, the Doomsday Switch. Follow them well, and you will have nice, orderly lives. Resist, and you will suffer the supreme penalty. Those who cooperate may even be rewarded with... with, may even be rewarded with a sliver or two of... of chocolate. Okay, wait, what? The Doomsday Switch... Voltor's got a doomsday switch somewhere. So we see a short montage of, like, the police being run out and and a red buzzard flag that isn't symbolic at all being flown in place of the American flag and the jackals have taken over the media. And this is going to some dark places, Chad. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's just really, uh, really where it just starts getting, like, holy crap, what did I just watch? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Rob's just ashamed of himself. He kind of fades out of the public eye and he kind of like um, ignores his friends or whatever. Uh, so it's up to the people to finally get fed up and turn on the jackals when they realize they don't have real power over them. Mm. Uh, and, and there's more power in, in their numbers. You know, honestly, that is their superpower to raise their voice. Yes. And unite together. Uh mm-hmm. And that's really how we will stop the forces of evil in real life and in post-apocalyptic Statue of Liberty American Rabbit Land. Sure. So the band and Teddy and Buddy and Ping uh, free the chocolate moose and his son. And this is when Voltor starts getting off the hinges. He gets really cranky at the jackals, uh, calling them traitors when they explain, well, people are getting really frustrated here. Maybe you should come up with another plan. And that's when Voltor's like, no, I'll blow this whole place up with the doomsday switch. 
it it which is just like a lever in a wall that's labeled doomsday switch Pretty i don't much. know what it's rigged to more dynamite i guess well next we see rob being confronted by mentor obi-wan kabunny uh disguised as a taxi driver and rob like immediately recognizes him like he's known this whole time every time he's popped up Right. That it's him, I guess, because he immediately is like, I'm sorry, I failed you. <laughs> I failed. Oh, you did, huh? Well, not at the bridge and not at the riverboat. You don't get to win them all, Rob. Besides, seems to me like maybe it's time the American rabbit makes a power play of his own. Well, what, what do you mean? That's your problem, Sonny. You're the American rabbit. Me, I'm just another cab driver trying to make ends meet. Oh, you should stop. Then he drops him off. But he quit really easily, man. You know what, though? Let's be fair. I mean... I understand that he was powerless at the Statue of Liberty because the other choice is he pushes down on that detonator. But after that, he could have helped rally everybody together. I don't know. They kind of did it themselves. Maybe he didn't need to. But he was really feeling sorry for himself for a long time there. He really was, but you, you know, you gotta, you gotta think. I mean, it takes its toll. I'm sure it does. I mean, even Superman doubts himself. So, Bunny Dumbledore drops Rob off outside a travel agency where he notices a poster for Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. and that gives him the idea to use his telekinetic hand lightning force Thing. powers, <laughs> which we've never seen until right now. Nope. To stop the water flow that runs the tur- turbines from Niagara Falls to New York City. Is that a real thing? I uh, sure. I this is news to me. Everybody from the city is now at Niagara Falls watching the American Rabbit hold this up. Like they're right next to each other. Chad, you live in Rochester. How I do. how Long does it take to drive from New York City to Niagara Falls? Hmm. Okay. I remember taking a plane. Right. I remember flying from JFK to Buffalo. Right. How long did that take? Like an hour? Yeah, about. I'll tell you, it takes me an hour and a half to get from Rochester. Well, technically like an hour to get from like Rochester to Niagara Falls on the American side. So I'd assume probably like seven hours from New York City. Yeah. It actually, now that I mention it, it looks like they're on the Canada side, which is weird. Well... But I only know I only know that because I was there. I love the Canadian side. Oh, it's much better. That's where uh, we spent our honeymoon for half of it. We spent half of it in the city, and then we flew to Buffalo and went up uh, to Niagara Falls and stayed on the Canadian side. I'm sure if my wife and I didn't live an hour and a half, we probably would have... Uh, that's where our honeymoon would have been. Canada side's great because it's the tackiest tourist. It's like, it reminds me of a combination of International Drive here in Orlando and the Wildwood, New Jersey boardwalk. Ah, somewhere I've always wanted to go. Oh, it's it's a wonderful place. My parents met in Wildwood. Oh, beautiful. Yes. So, well, Voltor's not happy about this new power that no one knew about until now. Uh, because his doomsday switch now doesn't work. So he flies off to Niagara Falls and grabs the chocolate mousse's son and kind of drops him down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then Tulus, the dead chocolate mousse, 
goes down and stays with his son, and he's calling out to the American rabbits, like, don't worry about us. Do what you gotta do. Uh, Voltorch right there trying to, like, stop him. He's like, just just let it go. Don't worry about us. Don't listen to him, American Rabbit. No one's life is worth anything as long as he's in control. Junior and I know. He's bad, American Rabbit. Don't let others suffer the way he made us suffer. Do it, Rabbit. Holy cow. But that's not what the American Rabbit stands for. No. He's not gonna have it. He's gonna keep holding it up and then we have ping who's again the real hero this is the second time he's saved this chocolate moose and his son kind of comes climbs down from the side he's like here hop on my back and silently just like some off american rabbit sees they're safe and he lets it go and this is uh when he starts chasing voltor like up the other side of niagara falls and i guess they're in canada now because it's snowing mm-hmm <laughs> sure. So they, they're chasing each other through a blizzard, and Voltor takes his last little, you know, let's join forces speech. We could rule the world together. Uh, American Rabbit's not. The Darth Vader. It. It, yeah, the Darth Vader special. The mm-hmm. join me. He's not. Uh, yeah. No, nope. So Voltor makes one last dive. He's getting covered in snow that's kind of piling on his wings and his long beak so i'm assuming so, this is probably let's see this much snow niagara falls this is probably june <laughs> <laughs> that bad huh oh you have no idea <laughs> i don't oh, bless you for not well voltor makes uh one last dive at the american rabbit who just kind of dodges out of the way and he plunges to his death into what looks like 20 feet of snow and that's the last we see of that. Yep. And the American rabbit returns to Niagara Falls, says Rob, and goes to see his friends. He gets a nice big kiss from Bunny because he actually helped Ping and the moose and the kid uh, get out of the get out of the ditch there. Not so bad. he's actually hailed as a hero by himself as Rob, which is nice. <laughs> he's done things that will be remembered and fondly discussed by people such as himself. <laughs> in 30, yeah and then everybody's looking now where's the american rabbit rob's here but where's the american rabbit and like the other members of the band was like oh there he is up in the sky not at all up in the sky but one of the other ones i think is hilarious he says i think he's doing a barrel roll oh yeah i, I could just barely make him out hey what a guy wow looks like he's doing a barrel roll oh dear get it I that predates Star Fox. Is that where Barrel Roll came from on you know, on Star Fox? The meme we know that do a barrel roll is from Star Fox 64. Peppy the Hare says it. Do a barrel roll. I don't know if that's where Nintendo got it. Probably yeah. not. I don't I know. I would assume that the Nintendo has better things to do than watch this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. But, <laughs> but then they end with, like, Rob and Bunny in their arms, and Rob kind of says, hey, I think he is doing a barrel roll. Oh, dear. And roll credits. Yeah, it's it's pretty anticlimactic. It is anticlimactic, but, I mean, there are a lot of good parts of this, a lot of weird parts of this, but, man, what a long, strange journey we've we've done. Where do you think this would have gone if they would have established that universe? You know what, I... I didn't go into this 
when I first saw it thinking, oh, it's going to like blow my mind because honestly, I, <laughs> I had never really heard of it and not a lot of people talked about it. And I feel yeah. like if they had gotten, this was one of the questions I was going to ask is do you, it, it's pretty much what you just asked me. <laughs> um, if, if like, say a Disney was behind this, this would have been a big deal. If this was a Warner brothers or absolutely, you know, even a Don Bluth, I think people would have been remembering it more. But honestly, I, I think because it was so independently done, it wasn't really, you know, given the chance to really be on, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't re- there wasn't from what I've from what I've been able to tell, there wasn't promotion for it. There wasn't a lot of merchandising or, you know, um, marketing for it. Um, so it, it looks like it was just doomed to fail from the start. And, yeah, I do. I do believe if you had more time to kind of combine, you know, tell more stories and not just, you know, say, Oh, okay, well he's a special guy and Oh, you got to go fight crime within like the first like five minutes or so. Maybe it would have been a bigger deal and people would have been latching onto it, but yeah, I would have liked to see more of this and this like, it's a movie, but it felt more like several stories kind of, intertwined uh, tied together that they yeah that they could have like made into like a serial series maybe it would have done better as a series on like nickelodeon or uh, like we were talking about disney Disney channel Channel. yeah it it, it would have definitely been a lot easier yeah if you had broken fans in uh, Mm -hmm. and you know given them like an animated series first right and or you know because i i believe you have enough characters. They brought in the moose. They brought in the penguins. I'd love to see more of Ping. Oh gosh, he would have had his own cartoon, and oh, the American man. Rabbit would have been a uh, a second thought. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, but I just uh, I I I feel like it missed a mark, and I I I think that the animation, while it had two great studios behind it, it still mm-hmm. came off. And again, you know, I'm watching this now. I'm talking about how... Yeah, I think that's just... I mean, it didn't have a movie feel to it, though. You know, yeah. It felt like... It felt like a plain old cartoon. It felt like Ninja Turtles. It felt, well... Well, yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) It's a very good reason for that, though. Yes. Um, But it just... it, It felt very... Very... It felt like this was just written off as maybe like a tax write-off or something. It just... It did mm, feel like a lot of effort was put into creating American Rabbit. Maybe that's it. I mean, that that credit roll was not long. No, and they didn't even really do much to, like, just end the movie. Like, it was just a quick, you know, gag and, like, hey, here right. we go. You know, we're done. It, it just... it There was a lot missing, and if... You know, maybe you could bring it back because we're living in a time where patriotism is a big hot topic. This might play well. This could. I, I'm. I'm. You know. Yeah. I would. I would probably guess that. Yeah. Well, Chad, if people want to reward your betrayal of these truths we hold as self-evident with chocolate, where can they find you on this great, big, beautiful internet? You can find me on over at horrormoviebarbecue.com, where I'm writing about pretty much everything that is in my mind and that's kind of dangerous but um you know uh i just did a write-up of mr t be somebody or be somebody's fool uh yes I do you did reviews. 
Uh, I do he, uh, Motu Month is coming up where I pretty much dedicate it. Oh. Um, it'll be better than last year, I promise. <laughs> better. Um, but I also have a podcast with some good friends. Uh, the TPIF podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I do a podcast called TPIF. Thank Pod, it's fun. I'm told I was mentioned on it a time or two. Uh, you know, I, it may have been by my buddy episode. Tom Coombs. Ah, Tommy Coombs, and of course the Egon to me and uh, TC's Slimer and Stay Puffed. He, he keeps <laughs> us in line, and honestly, it, I couldn't ask for a show. I shouldn't say that because I do a lot of podcasts with great people, you know, including you. But two of the best guys you could ever just hang out and chat with. Um, I mean, it sounds like you guys have a lot of fun. Sorry. No, oh no, that's okay. No, we do have a lot of fun. And honestly, we spend more time talking about like Chinese takeout and, you know, <laughs> conventions than we really do T T T G I F. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a nice, fun, creative release, you know, for all three of us. So, uh, come by, check it out. It's on iTunes under the horror movie barbecue podcast. Uh, Pretty much every podcast I do is there. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, under Horror Movie Barbecue. And I have a Facebook.com Facebook page. It's Facebook.com slash Horror Movie Barbecue. <laughs> so I try to spread myself out as much as I can to kind of promote the blog. There you go. Well, Chad, thank you for joining me on this very special episode. And hey, want to come back around Halloween and talk about your ringtone? Oh, I think you know the answer to that. It's still Witch's Night Out, right? Of course it is. Oh, perfect. Oh, We're doing it, guys. It we will outside. see you in October. That's true. Oh, I was going to start singing it. No, but you know what? We'll we'll, we'll save that for I'll throw it in there. No, you won't. We, we They got to earn it. <laughs> you guys got to wait. Uh, although, I hope you're not waiting to hear me sing the theme. <laughs> Good night, everybody. See you later. You can find this show at adventcalendar.house and on Twitter at adventcalhouse. Please watch out for the icy patch.